Do you find yourself threatening or raising your voice in an attempt to get your children to obey? Are you frustrated because nothing seems to work? Are you sick and tired of repeating yourself? Are you sick and tired of repeating yourself? (laughs) Well, then we're glad you're joining us for today's podcast. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. Before we get started on today's topic, here is a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Hey, Ginger, I'm just really excited about this episode today because I know you're about to drop some truth bombs up in here and blow all of our parenting instincts right out of the water. (laughs) Uh, Truthfully, biblical parenting does not come naturally because, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, we are just as sinful as our children. (laughs) We certainly are, Katie. (laughs) And keeping the fact that it's our sinful hearts, both ours and our kids, at the forefront of our minds, that's going to help us to look past outward behavior and strive to get to the heart of the matter. Mm -hmm. There are so many faulty child training methods out there, and what I've discovered to be the common denominator in all of them is an emphasis on behavior change instead of a heart change. But we need to remember that our goal is not just to get our children to outwardly comply, but to reach their hearts with the gospel of Christ. And when we adopt these popular but faulty child training methods that the world offers, where the goal is just for behavior modification, we miss the issues of the heart and the whole purpose of biblical discipline. So we need to learn how to recognize and resist the temptation to parent as the world tells us to parent and to look to the infallible Word of God where we are provided with everything we need for life and godliness. You know, sometimes that truth uh, that we have been provided everything we need for life and godliness is just really hard to hold on to whether we have a screaming toddler or a rebellious teenager. It's just difficult to believe that we already have everything we need to parent well, if if we're believers, that is. Yep, I get that. But according to... 2 Peter 1, 3 through 5, we really do have what we need. Those verses tell us His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So here we see that it's through His divine power and our knowledge Mm. of Him that we live in His precious promises and escape the corruption of the world. Everything the world offers that's contrary to what the Word of God tells us is corrupt. 
including the way the world tells us to parent. Mm. And it's and, and so responding to our children's disobedience with some of the methods you just mentioned, like threatening and repeating instructions over and over and raising our voices, those are shallow responses when kids are being disobedient. And those methods don't bring about the inward change that we're after. Shallow methods bring about shallow results. Mm. Our whole purpose in training and disciplining our children is to help them understand that their sinful behavior stems from a sinful heart. And the only cure for a sinful heart is Jesus. When we depend on worldly methods for disciplining our kids that fail to expose the heart issues that drive their outward behavior, we miss the opportunity to point them to their need for Jesus, who is their only hope for real change. Oh, that's exactly right, Ginger. But the temptation to rely on our own worldly methods is so great because, well, for one, it comes more naturally, and that makes it easier in the short run. But tell us more about these six worldly methods of discipline and why they are faulty and ineffective in the long run. Okay. Well, in my books, I refer to these worldly methods as deceptive philosophies because they may manipulate the child's behavior to some extent, but they fail to reach the heart. I think one of the most common worldly methods is probably um, one of the easiest traps to fall into um, is bribing. It's Mm. so tempting to say, honey, if you obey mom in the store today, I'll give you some candy. (laughs) I observed this mom in Walmart telling her three-year-old to come to her, and the child ignored her mom and just took off running in the other direction. And in desperation, the mom yells down the aisle, come to mommy and I'll give you a sucker. (laughs) And of course, Katie, the child goes from... um, hearing impaired to exceptional hearing and comes very quickly to mom's side. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure she did. Uh, Sure. But this is training the child. This is not training the child in obedience. This is rewarding the child for stubbornness. Mm. Giving them a reward in order to get them to obey, that encourages them in selfishness because their motive for obeying is, I'll obey for what I can get out of it. And that's a selfish reason. Children should be taught to obey because it's right. And because it pleases God not to get a reward. Okay. One faulty method in, and I'm already convicted. This is, <laughs> Ginger, this is just tempting no matter what age the child is. But I think it's especially prevalent with toddlers who like to cause scenes in the middle of Walmart. <laughs> okay, so what's the next one? Another one is threatening. Um, This one usually comes after we've repeated our instructions several times to no avail, and so we pull out the big guns. If you don't start sharing your toys right now, I'm going to send them all off to kids who will share. (laughs) But but this teaches them that mom doesn't mean what she says. Mm. How many of our parents, in an attempt to get us to appreciate our toys, talked about the kids on the other side of the world who didn't have any (laughs) toys? But how many of our parents actually followed through with that threat and gathered up and boxed up and taped up all of our toys and shipped them off to 10 buck two? Probably not too many. We need to avoid saying things that we don't mean because this is how we get ourselves in a pickle. If we tell our kids that there's going to be a consequence, then there needs to be a consequence. Because if there's not, we're going to cause our children to question our word. Mm. And if we cry wolf too many times, we'll eventually lose our effectiveness because our kids, they're going to lose respect for our authority if we do that. Our children need to have confidence that our word is our word. And 
when they have that confidence, it actually brings about a sense of security in their lives. I really like that point, Ginger, and I want to emphasize it for our listeners. You're saying that our children feel more secure, not less, when mom and dad follow through with godly discipline. And no, you know, Ginger and I are not talking about physical, verbal, or emotional abuse because there is no peace in those, but following through with biblical discipline leads to security for our children and as a result, more peace in our homes. Ginger, I know we all know this. So why is it so easy to fall into the trap of threatening our kids? Well, because we're selfish by nature. We're Mm. selfish in everything, including our time and what we put our energy into. Doing the right thing usually takes a lot more time and effort than doing the quick thing. Mm. We have a natural tendency to go for those quick, easy fixes so that we can get back to whatever we're doing, get back to our own agendas. So we're dragged away from what God has called us to do and enticed by what we want to do. James 1.14 says, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And let me just confess that when I get on these little mini sermons, I'm typically the pot calling the kettle black. I'm just <laughs> as selfish as the next person by nature. You know, Katie, I, I read all the parenting books when my kids were growing up, and I even wrote a couple of them. So <laughs> I totally knew better, but I still fell into these traps sometimes. I remember one time in particular when I caught myself falling into the trap of threatening my kids. I'd been telling them all day to clean their rooms, and they were just procrastinating and, and just not obeying what I was telling them to do. So what did I do? I pulled out the big guns. I threw out a threat. I said, if you guys don't hurry up and get your rooms cleaned, you are not spending the night with Nana and Papa tonight. Oh, no. But Katie, I knew good and well. I wasn't (laughs) about to forfeit my free night with no kids in order to follow through with that threat. Matthew 5.37 says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, we're to say what we mean and mean what we say, or we can exasperate our kids. Mm. Really, anything other than this is unfair because they don't know when to take us seriously. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says that we are to weigh our answers. That means that we need to think before we speak. We should try not to issue a warning or a command unless we're willing to follow through. And we should try not to say yes or no to something until we're sure that's our definite answer. I had a colleague who used to say, say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't be mean when you say it. And I really like mm, that. So we're to, we're to weigh our answers and think before we speak. Yep, that's good. I like that. Yes, and if you think about it, threatening is along the same lines as repeating our instructions or going back on our instructions, which are also traps that we don't want to fall into. My oldest stepson, Hudson, is a total history buff, especially when it comes to battles and war history. And he's really helped me to have a deeper understanding of battle strategies and how our military works. And one of the things I found interesting is that when we look at some of the most admirable and successful generals of our country, we see that they all had one thing in common, that they were certain of their commands before they issued them. Soldiers don't respect or respond well to an uncertain or inconsistent leader, which is interesting because it goes right along with what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 8. He said, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Mm. And that's how it is in parenting. If we issue half-hearted commands to our children and we don't require them to follow through immediately, we send mixed signals. And that can even cause our children to question their own positions in the family because they'll become uncertain of when and how to respond to our instructions. When we're uncertain and inconsistent and wishy-washy in our instructions, 
it can cause our children to become insecure and unsure of their own actions. So we want to strive to lead our children with confidence so that they can find security and stability in their call to obedience. I can really relate to this because I realized how confusing my own instructions to my kids can be, even when I wasn't threatening. Um, And I was actually blaming my kids for it. So I told my oldest son, who's 10, um, that he might want to go upstairs and get started on his schoolwork. And his comment to me was, are you telling me to do that? And I'm sure, Ginger, I got all up in his lunch about it. Like, couldn't you (laughs) infer that from what I said? But the truth is, no, he couldn't infer that because my instructions were confusing and he's 10 years old. (laughs) So I did assure him that I would be more lovingly direct in the future and say, you know, please go upstairs now and complete your schoolwork. So though I wasn't threatening him, I was confusing him with just unclear instructions. And then I was getting frustrated with him when he didn't follow them. Wow. And that's a great example, Katie. But, you know, part of it is that we don't want to come across as a militant dictator. So a lot of times we tend to go too far the other way. But you just very well proved that we can be clear and kind in our instructions at the same time. What you said, please go upstairs now and complete your schoolwork. That's the balance we're after. Mm -hmm. You clearly and kindly communicated what you expected. You eliminated that gray area because you really left no room for question or confusion. And in doing that, you put the ball in your son's court. You gave him a choice. Right. He could either choose to obey or choose to disobey. And if he chooses to disobey, he's choosing a consequence. Mm -hmm. See, that's not being a cold-hearted militant dictator. It's graciously giving our children the freedom to choose and the ability to understand that they reap what they sow. And that's a valuable lesson. Again, this is just so countercultural, Ginger, and it takes reminders like this to point us back to what God's Word says about disciplining our children. You know, this is why I read your book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, every year, because it's so easy to fall back into those old habits. Okay, so let's move on to another common worldly method. Okay, another common one is when we try to appeal to their emotions instead of requiring obedience. And, you know, as moms, I think one of the most typical ways that we do this is by trying to make them feel guilty. Mm. After all I do for you, (laughs) this is how you repay me. (laughs) You know, as moms, we do. We do so much for our kids and we make so many sacrifices. And so it can be easy for us to start feeling sorry for ourselves and think that our kids actually owe us obedience. But we want their motives for obeying to come from a heart to please God, not from a parent-inflicted guilt trip. Mm. And let me just say that putting a guilt trip on our kids might sometimes be effective for manipulating their behavior. But even if it does, it stems from a wrong motive. It would be with a motive of people-pleasing, and that's not a healthy way to live. Take it from a certified people-pleaser. Oh, man. Ginger, I feel like we could do an entire episode on emotional blackmail as parenting, but I'm not sure how many people would enjoy listening to that. (laughs) None of us really like to admit that we're guilty of this because it sounds so awful to say it out loud, but I'm sure we can all think of a time when we tried to guilt our children into obedience. And maybe not even for our own sake. I'm sure I've said things to my kids like, you know, your dad works too hard so we can buy nice things and there you go tearing it up. And it just rolls right off my tongue, Ginger. (laughs) Don't even have to think about it. It just rolls right out. (laughs) Yep. Well, again, we're selfish by nature. So we're tempted to internalize it when our kids choose to disobey our instructions. Mm -hmm. But here's what we need to understand. When we're being self-focused, we're going to view their disobedience as 
a sin against us instead of a sin against God. And that's a problem because we don't want to motivate our kids to obey because it pleases us, because that can get our kids to develop unhealthy habits that can lead to the emotional bondage of people pleasing. We want to motivate our children to be God pleasers, not people pleasers. Colossians 3.20 says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. I just love that verse. It's one of the first verses our children memorized. Another excellent one to teach our kids is Colossians 3, 23 through 24. And I like the Christian Standard Bible's version of it. It says, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. So as parents, we have to ask ourselves if our methods of discipline are leading them to serve us or to serve Christ. Yes, that is the Christ-centered, eternal perspective, eternal mentality that we want to have in our parenting. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my Dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8, 36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm. And I was like, yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. And he said, well, I never noticed that before. And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, just go to dwelldifferently.com and sign up today. Again, that's dwell, D-W-E-L-L, differently.com. Okay, let's keep going. This is like ripping off lots of band-aids at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's painful, but it's necessary. Okay, so my personal favorite as far as these common worldly methods go is what actually inspired the title of my first parenting book, <laughs> Don't Make Me Count to Three. There are those parents, and we see them all around us, who say, if you don't do this, by the time I count to three, you're going to get it. And then they start their count and sometimes even hold up their fingers as if that's going to add some sort of extra incentive. And they say, (laughs) one, and the child doesn't move. Two, the child still doesn't move. Two and a half. (laughs) And so it goes. It's a good way for kids to learn fractions, though, Ginger. There you go. There There is some good there. (laughs) But here's the thing. Children will rise to the standard that the parents set. If you don't expect your child to obey until you count to three, well, he's probably not going to obey until you count. Mm. Why not expect instant obedience? This leaves no room for question or confusion. It's so much easier, and it's so much more peaceful, and it's definitely more biblical. And you know what? If my small child is about to step off the curb into a busy street, I don't want to have to count to three before he obeys. You know, that's a really good point, Ginger. You don't want to have to be doing fractions if they're stepping into the street. <laughs> that's right. It needs to be short, sweet, and simple. Immediate. And that's yeah. right. That's right. Training our children to quickly obey 
ought to be the standard. So we need to be aware of things like bribing, threatening, repeating our instructions two or three times, raising our voices or giving them to the count of three, because these things draw us away from teaching our children to instantly and completely obey in a way that pleases God. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but parents are often responsible for the habits of their children. When we count to three, we cause our children to get into the habit of delayed obedience. And delayed obedience is disobedience. What counting to three does is it encourages them to put off obeying until absolutely necessary. But we want our children to view obedience as their best option, not a choice that's put off until the last minute. I love the simple phrase that you shared in your book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. And we say it here all the time. Our children are to obey right away, all the way, and with a joyful heart. And I have found this to be one of the clearest ways to communicate what obedience is and what it isn't. So kids of all ages can understand this and learn that partial obedience is not obedience. Delayed obedience is not obedience. And it helps us to avoid that confusion we talked about earlier. Yeah, that's a really simple way to teach even young children what biblical obedience is in a way that they can understand. All the way, right away, and with a joyful heart. That pretty much sums up the complete obedience that God has called us to. That was pretty much an everyday saying in our home when my kids were growing up. And you can really teach them at a very young age. I started Mm. teaching my kids that um, when they were super young, I mean, I could hold up three fingers and say, how does God want you to obey? And they would say all the way, right away, and with a happy heart or with a joyful heart. So you heart. did count to three, Ginger. You did. <laughs> and you held up the fingers and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, God has placed us, the parents, as an authority over our children, and He has called us to teach them to obey. But in order to keep the right perspective, we always need to keep in mind that our primary goal is to encourage our children to love and obey Jesus, who is their ultimate authority. So while our children are young and in our home, we have an opportunity to help get them into the habit of obeying and obeying us without delay, so that hopefully when they surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, they might find it just a little bit easier to obey Him without delay, because Mm. they're already in the habit of obeying. They're already in the habit of honoring God by honoring and obeying their parents. So as we consider our spiritual goals of training our children to be followers of Christ, before we begin that count to three, perhaps we should ask ourselves, Do I want my child to be in the habit of obeying God the first time, the second time, or the third time? Wow, Ginger, I've actually never thought of it from that perspective before. Our kids' habit of delayed obedience with us, their parents, will naturally carry over to their relationship with the Lord. And that's just, whew, that's really convicting. Um, But it's also comforting in a way because sometimes our days can feel just really long and slow and repetitive, especially with really young kids. But our faithfulness and consistency as parents, even in the small things, can make a positive impact on our kids spiritually. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Okay, so we've covered five of the six discipline mistakes you mentioned in your book. We covered bribing, threatening, repeating our instructions— appealing to their emotions, and counting to three. We have one more to go, and I think we can handle it, Ginger, so lay it on us. <laughs> All right, last mistake or deceptive philosophy that parents might use in an attempt to get their children to obey is reasoning with small children. Mm. Now, I'm not talking about older children here where some mature, respectful reasoning might be appropriate sometimes. I'm talking about reasoning with really young children. 
like mom asked her six-year-old, honey, don't you want to come and eat lunch now? (laughs) Mm, No, thanks, mom. I'm playing with my cars. Oh, but sweetie, your hot dog's going to get cold if you don't come and eat it now. Mm, That's okay, mom. I'd rather play with my cars. (laughs) But I, if you'll come on right now and eat, we might have time to go to the park after lunch. Okay, mom, I'll be there in a minute. You see, instead of just simply telling her son what she wanted and then expecting prompt obedience, this mom is trying to talk her son into obeying. Mm. Parents who try to reason with young children normally end up frustrated and quite often outwitted. (laughs) (laughs) And they usually wind up resorting to a bribe in order to get the response they're after. Reasoning with small children in an attempt to get them to obey causes confusion because it places them in a position that they are not mature or responsible enough to handle. It erases that line of authority between the parent and the child, and it places that child on a peer level with a parent. So we need to clearly instruct our children and then expect obedience. Okay, wait. I never thought about that, Ginger, that reasoning with our children actually undermines our God-given authority over them. Mm -hmm. You know, I know there are non-Christian parents who have no issue at all operating on a peer-to-peer level with their kids, but that is not what God's Word teaches us to do. And like you said, it only leads to confusion because they are not mature enough to handle that much responsibility. That's right. And let's reiterate again that these types of methods are ineffective because while they may manipulate the child's behavior to a certain extent, they fail to reach the heart. But these methods are certainly popular in our world today, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And that's why Colossians 2.8 warns us, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. We live in an age that defies God and His Word at every point, including child training. The world tries to tell us how to train our children, but Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. You see, the world exalts all these experts and tries to convince us that their methods are best. But 1 Corinthians three eighteen tells us that the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Mm. God's word is truth. God's word is wisdom. So we need to make sure that the people we're listening to, the people who are encouraging us in our parenting, are depending on the life-giving truths of God's Word to do it. Ginger, I know we're going to talk a whole lot about the specifics of biblical parenting in lots of our upcoming episodes, but I know some of our listeners would love to go ahead and get their hands on some of your practical teaching as far as what the Bible says about disciplining our kids. So where would you recommend they start to get them going on the right track? Well, my first parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, really lays it all out as far as the practical side of disciplining our kids from a biblical perspective. But one thing I found is that not everyone likes to read or not everyone has time to read. So I do offer a three-session audio series on reaching the heart of your child, which thoroughly covers the how, when, and why of biblical discipline. It's available as a three-session CD series and also available as a digital download. And just very quickly, session one is on how to reach the heart of your child. Session two is on 
how to give a biblical reproof. And session three is on the biblical use of the rod. And that last session, that's where I really get down to the nitty gritty as far as the actual act of discipline. And the series is called Reaching the Heart of Your Child. It's based on the same content that's in my book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, but it's not an audio book. It's actually me teaching the principles taught in the book. So it's a really great resource for parents to listen to in the car or even to get together with other couples and uh, listen and talk about it together. And I also have a six-week study guide that can be used with both the book or the audio series. And, you know, Ginger, that would also be great for mom's groups or small groups at church. Mm -hmm. Um, So listeners, you can find those at gingerhubbard.com. Well, I feel like I just participated in the kindest boxing match ever. Um, Ginger, that was brutal and convicting, but I'm just so grateful for how you also offer us hope in Christ. So as we do every episode, can you close us with some encouragement as we seek to discipline our children using God's Word rather than the wisdom of the world? Sure. I'm afraid that some of our listeners today might feel like they've been in a boxing match (laughs) because they've been maybe falling into some of these traps and feeling a little bit discouraged after hearing this episode. They might be thinking that they've already blown it and that it's just too late or even too overwhelming to start over with a new way of training their kids. But it is never too late to begin training your children in the ways of the Lord. God knew when you would hear this message. And He knows your heart to raise your children up in the truths of His Word. My parents didn't start implementing biblical principles into their parenting until I was 18 years old. And at first, I did resist, and it was pretty ugly. Um, If you guys missed the When Teens Rebel episode, I shared my testimony on how my parents started late in training me in God's Word and how I 100% rebelled and how the Lord used my parents during that time in my life. So if you missed that episode on when teens rebel and you're starting late with your kids, I really think you would find that episode very helpful and very encouraging. But please don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Be excited that God has provided you with everything you need for a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning and great is His faithfulness. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This just really helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, then we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode, including links to our wonderful sponsors. Hey, but wait, there's more. (laughs) I watched too many infomercials as a kid. Uh, While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. So today we're offering her Wise Words for Moms chart and her best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that homeschooling is doable for almost any family, but that doesn't mean it's easy. One thing my husband and I do for ourselves every year is to go to our favorite homeschooling convention called Teach Them Diligently. 
There, we hear from amazing speakers who are just truly experts in their fields, including one of my favorite speakers, Ginger Hubbard. You may have heard of her. (laughs) She'll be at all four in-person events this year. Teach Them Diligently is more than just a convention, though. It's a trusted community of like-minded homeschoolers, and they provide helpful content to equip you to homeschool and disciple your children better. My husband and I have been to other homeschooling conventions, and you know, one thing I noticed about Teach Them Diligently is that it is truly Christ-centered and family-focused. For more information about the upcoming virtual and in-person Teach Them Diligently events, visit teachthemdiligently.net. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net.